leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping amazing leaders hire great talent. And I am here with my dear friend, Ciara Simonson. Say hi to everybody, Ciara. So Ciara is amazing in all different types of ways. Um, She is a therapist. She is a pastor. She is like everything, super mom, a bunch of different things. But today I was talking to her last week or a couple of weeks ago about how the cybersecurity community is always struggling when it comes to imposter syndrome. And as a clinician, I wanted Ciara to come on and really explain to us what imposter syndrome is and how we can, what tips we can do, use to overcome it. So, Ciara, take it away. Hey, so thank you so much, Renee, for uh, just inviting me onto your show. This is just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have an opportunity to just engage um, community around some of the real issues that that people, you know, experience and just in their professional lives. Um, you know, last week when you mentioned imposter syndrome, which was one of those points of topics that kept on coming up, just like, yeah, because it's so real, right? And it's that statement that that statement we hear, you know, as we're climbing the ladder of success, it's, you know, that statement, fake it until you make it, fake it until you make it, what happens to be a very real factor um, and a feeling that's even, you know, even when you experience great achievements, it becomes a very real, real statement that starts to impact even your perspective and, and, and how you view um, your role in that, in that position. Um, you know, I would say so many people reach a point of accomplishment or let's say that point of success arrival and begin to feel like a fraud, feel like a fraud or, or worry that someone will find out um, that, that you are not all that you present yourself to be. And, and that's what 70%, 70% of people feel that feeling, feeling like a fraud. It's, it's actually was in a study um, in the International Journal of Behavioral Science, and it's called imposter syndrome. So it's a thing. It's it's a real yeah. thing. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I had no idea that 70% of people experience this. So 70% of all people's studies have been done experience this imposter syndrome at some point. At some point throughout their lives, in some way or another, and wow. so just to be clear, you know, so imposter syndrome is not a disorder, 
right? People hear that word syndrome and think disorder. So it's it's a term that was um, coined by clinical psychologist Pauline Clance and Susan Imes. So this is back in 78 when they coined that term imposter syndrome. Um, they, they found that despite having adequate external evidence of accomplishment, people with imposter syndrome remained convinced that they did not deserve the success they have. Wow. So it became a thing back in the 78 based back in 78 based on this this study. Um, in fact, uh, the psychologist Clance, she she described it as um, an internal experience of intellectual phoniness. <laughs> wow. wow. So, so that's it, what happens. Like right. people feel, people feel phony. People feel like, you know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm successful, but I don't, you know, they feel like they don't know what they're doing. Right. So so think about that whole statement that we've all heard at some point or another, fake it until you make it. And so now you finally made it. It's just like, oh, my gosh, wow. <laughs> if people really knew, right, like how I got here or if people really knew who I really am. And that's 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 that that thought, that perception that begins to creep up. And as I said, it's not a disorder, but um, just from a a mental health standpoint, there are a number of factors that impact Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, right? So it's not a direct disorder. So it's not something that you would find in a DSM, which Mm -hmm. is um, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, so you will not find it as a disorder in the DSM, but it's kind of like one of the symptoms of maybe some other mental health issues, some other challenges, you know, someone might be experiencing. So it's kind of like a, a symptom or, you know, a factor that's related to other other issues um, that a lot of highly successful people experience. And, you know, part of it includes just even having difficulty receiving positive feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just even identifying some of their success as, as, you know, as luck or just kind of like, you know, a coincidence, it was a fluke, just kind of downplaying some of the success. That the successes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a couple of comments here. Ozzy's here. Hey, Ozzy. Uh, she says intellectual phoniness. That is a new one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And Abbas is here from the UK. We have people that chime in all the time. Reginald is here. Hi, Reginald. Um, Patrick is here and he's like, hmm, the hmm emoji. <laughs> and then his comment is always a balancing act between vanity and modesty. Simplicity is the fine line between elegance and plainness. Mm-hmm. Good quote. Good quote. Eric says, good morning. Good morning, Eric. So we have Ciara here to answer your questions. Um, I know this is something that comes up all the time. Ciara will continue to t- talk to us about the the technical aspect of it as a clinician and so um it is it's i mean it's fascinating to me it's interesting to hear that you know sometimes we think 
in our little bubbles or our echo chambers of our worlds, right? So us in security here and other people in other professions that it's just us. But that's a fascinating stat for me to hear that 70% of people, you know, across the, I guess, country, worldwide, whatever, have this. So Ozzy says, imposter syndrome, I think, is associated with feelings of unworthiness. Yeah. Is that the case? So that's so there is definitely that feeling of unworthiness. Um, it's it's associated with you know anxiety. So if you're prone to have anxiety, that's one of those underlying factors. It's self doubt, um, worry, and and so there's so many factors that's associated with it, right? So people who kind of wrestle with this also tend to engage their work with over preparation, right? So they're like, this is the overachiever. I have to over prepare. Um, but then that's one side of the spectrum. And then on the other side, it's the procrastination, right? So it's like I over-prepare, over-prepare, and I spend a lot of time with whatever it is that I need to do to achieve, to feel the sense of accomplishment. But then it's the procrastination, meaning I wait to the last minute because it's so anxiety-provoking. I just can't deal. So I'm just going to like put something together, you know, last minute, get it done, done is good. And then there's that sense of relief. Huh, it's over. I'm finished. Um, but then it's really hard to receive the positive feedback that comes from it because then it's the, <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> I didn't prepare. I just slapped this thing together. <laughs> I just slapped this thing together, right? So it reinforces that feeling, um, which is the the, the fraudulence, right? <laughs> um, if only they knew. Um, and then just, again, just the self-doubt that comes with it. And when it kind of goes unchecked, it spirals, right? And so it spirals because it creates a disconnect from just, again, showing up as your true self, authentic self, really connecting and engaging with others. Um, the spiraling leads to disconnect, isolation, further depression and anxiety when it goes unchecked. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Eric says, yay, imposter syndrome. Excellent. This is because we talked about this because it comes up every, every week, finally talking about it on one-on-one. Um, yeah. Eric says, excellent discussion. So thank you, Eric. Lincoln is happy to be here. Happy to see you, Lincoln. Um, Reginald wants to know, how do we teach our kids not to fall into this trap? That's a great question. Excellent, excellent question. So working with children, um, it's so important. I would say emotional intelligence, right, is so important and it begins with children. So when we are emotionally aware of what we're in touch with um, and we're engaging our children, we can also help uh, them identify their feelings and what they're in touch with and being able to express that. So giving them words, right? Like I feel nervous or um, I'm uncomfortable, just whatever it is that they're engaging and just allow them to have the freedom of expression um, and engaging what they're feeling. So um, the start, and I and I lift up and I'm, I'll talk more about this in more detail, is um 
giving and receiving appreciations, right? So, so off giving your child an appreciation, but also teaching them how to give appreciation, how to receive appreciation. So people who experience imposter syndrome have a very difficult time receiving praise, receiving accolades, receiving appreciation. They tend to downplay it, right? Um, if someone wants to honor and say, hey man, you did an excellent job, or you know, just honoring your achievement and just like, yeah, um, <laughs> it was a kind of like a fluke or just trying to downplay it. And you're saying you're downplaying it for the sake of humility. It's there might be something else that's going on. A lot of times, you know, when a, an appreciation or some type of accolade is given to receive it as thank you. Thank you. And actually to hold on to it. Right. Like I would say hold on to yeah. it because uh, that's what helps to affirm and validate your accomplishments in the work that you're doing and and being able to offer that to your child also makes a world of difference um, in helping them to not only receive, but also teaching them how to give, mm -hmm. give appreciations. Good points. Really good points. Okay. So Ozzy says she, I got that a lot when I got my first information security role, I felt unworthy because it took me five months to get that role so my thoughts were, what did these people see in me that hundreds of others didn't, followed by, do I deserve to be here? And mm -hmm. Ozzy was a guest on our show, and she had she she filled out 400 applications before wow. she got her job. 400. So... So that's that's very real, the feeling of unworthiness, and particularly if you're... Um, in working with a company or in an environment where you're underrepresented. Um, so we see this like where with women who are breaking barriers and they may be like the only women in the meeting or the only women in the room. And so it's not just gender related. It could be um, gender, race, culture, just, just, just so many factors. But when you are underrepresented, Sometimes you ask the question, how did I get here? What am I doing here? Like, what is this really about? And that internal, internal um, factor, right? So the internal sense of, I, like, I belong here, um, that message that we tell ourselves that just really, really has to come out to reinforce some of the self-doubt that, that comes up. Yeah, we've had that a number of times. There was another um, young lady that came on. Why is her name slipping my mind? But she told me, she told a story about the fact that she was um, invited to help write, write this cloud security book. And she also, she walked out of the room. She was, I think, the youngest person in the room. I don't know if she was the only female. She's African-American. So she said that she, when she, she looked around and was ready to, She's like, why did they invite me? Um, and then, you know, went back to her mom and her friends and, and they, they were like, because you're supposed to be there. But that initial initial feeling um, of looking around and seeing, you know, these other probably much older uh, men in the room. And she I don't know if she was the only female, but she definitely said she was one of the young. I think she might have been the youngest person there. Um, definitely made her feel like that. Yeah. So, when the study was conducted, it was actually conducted amongst women. 
Um, but we know certainly that it's not just women who experience this um, imposter syndrome, that it's both men and women who share these feelings. Um, but one of the quotes uh, that um, that I, I thought I'd share this afternoon was, well, actually, it's still morning time, right? Well, some places. <laughs> it's still morning. It's been a long morning for me. It feels like, like you've been up forever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so Maya Angelou, there's this quote by Maya Angelou and she she say, you know, this is kind of like her expressing her experience with imposter syndrome. And, and she says, you know, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh oh, they are going to find out now I have run a game on everybody and they are going to find me out. That's Maya Angelou after writing 11 books. So we're in good company, all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, authors experience this, um, you know, medical professionals, (laughs) clinicians, um, you know, those that are in technology. And I imagine certainly for those who work in technology, and you know, technological fields, it's just, it's a lot because you, you know, you're remote, you're distant. Sometimes you're not always connected with the community. It's just so many dynamics that kind of play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I would say that that sense of not really being able to feel fully connected with groups and communities um, that's, that can relate to what you're experiencing may even add to the feeling itself. Ozzy said, that's so true, Ciara. I had the same thought too while working at my company in the first few months. Like, you know, they're gonna find me out. Hey, Danielle, Danielle's here all the time. Danielle says, imposter syndromes are, are imposter syndrome are us. So funny. So a couple of questions up here too. Eric Williams wanted to know, um, I have a question regarding imposter syndrome. Is that the same as when someone tries to downplay or discount your ideas or assertions because they want to appear as the smartest person in the room? Um, he additionally says, I don't know if it's part of it. I've experienced what I think is retroactive imposter syndrome when a peer became elevated to a position that was in leadership as my customer. Is that is that the right term? So it looks like a two-part question. So, yeah. Um, so that... You want me to go back to the first one? So, yeah, I'm sorry, because I got hijacked by the second question. So, <laughs> first question, and then we'll answer the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first one uh, regarding, is that the same as when someone tries to downplay or discount your ideas or assertions because they want to appear to be the smartest person in the room? Right. So so the first part of the question. Um, so no, it's not um, about somebody else trying to downplay your idea. Imposter syndrome is something that's more internalized. So it's something that you feel within yourself, and it's um, internalizing. You know, fail to internalize your own success, right? And um, and in this experience, it's not limited to just those who are highly successful. Um, but, you know, it's all around people, all ages, stages and different experiences and backgrounds feel this and it's, but it's an internal feeling, not so much what other people 
um, are are doing, let's say, direct that might feel targeted or directed to you. So now the second part of the question. Uh oh, I'm I and sorry, that was me. I was muted. <laughs> I've experienced what I think is retroactive imposter syndrome when a peer became elevated to a position that was in leadership as my customer. Is that the right term? So when a peer became elevated um, into the position, did he or she experience like? So I guess what was the question? Just 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 retroactive. Um, was it the questioning of their position that that kind of you know impacted what the individual or the person was asking the question, um, what they were feeling, or because again, imposter syndrome in and of itself is an internalized feeling. So it's not so much what the other person; it's not external what the other person is doing, but what you as an individual is feeling internally. So, um, so just, 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 just a few thoughts, just, you know, the way imposter syndrome can manifest itself, right? So it manifests itself in different ways. And um, one, it's, you know, there's a difficulty accepting praise and recognition for personal accomplishments. There's a reluctance to, to seize opportunities and to take initiative. There's a reluctance to accept promotions or, or new assignments because of not feeling ready. There's a reluctance to highlight personal contributions to projects. Um, there may be trouble delegating due to a need to ensure that, that everything is done um, to to these like high standards. So remember, I, I don't know if I had mentioned already that imposter syndrome also goes direct is directly related to perfectionism. That there is like a perfectionism aspect that ties in with um, imposter no, syndrome. We didn't talk about that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna earmark that. Excited for that one. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, it's. Um, you know, so so trouble delegating because, you know, if there's, like, as I said, there's just this need to make sure that the work is done, you know, to, to a high level, like maintaining a high level of uh, standards. Um, there's this, you know, individualism, right, and a difficulty with accepting help. So it's the same way um, where it's difficulty accepting and receiving just praise or just just the accolades. It's the same thing with accepting help. Someone comes to you and say, you know, let me help you with this. It's just like, no, 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 I got it. I can take care of it. Um, the opposite is true. So perfectionism, the opposite. Um, and that's the over, you know, overachieving. That's the over overworking, just wanting to make sure you get it all right. Everything is done to just this high level, this high standard. But then there's also the procrastination part, right? And the procrastination part comes in with this immobilizing fear of failure. So it's, you know, I'm just going to like not engage this. I'm not going to do this until I have to do it, which is the very last minute and then pull it all together. And then if, if I fail, it makes sense because I didn't put much time and effort into doing it anyway. Right. So, so that's so that the core, of- right? Right. right. 
Um, and then there's wow. also the workaholism, right? So the factor, the workaholism, um, which is stemming from the incompetence um, and perceived need to work harder to keep up with, with other contemporaries. Wow. Wow. I'm sitting here like you're giving me, I, I want to get my notebook out and start taking notes. <laughs> Just because I think, you know, especially, you know, being a woman, being an African-American woman, I don't know, you know, different cultures or whatever, like your parents are always telling you like how hard you have to work, how hard you have to work. And so even just hearing that, it's just like they always I remember hearing that all the time, like, you know, working hard and working hard. And it, at one point I was just like, this is crazy. Like, there's a smarter way to do this. You know, like you don't always have to. Yeah, you got to put the hard work in, but there's a smart way to do it, too. But um, just to hear you say, like, these are the, this is the clinical, like, when you look and you, you, you know, you're telling us exactly where this stuff comes from, um, it makes so much sense. So a couple more comments. I mean, the comments are going nuts here. Okay, so Eric, so uh, with Eric's question earlier, Ozzy was saying that that's just some guy being a jerk and trying to cover over inadequacies. The, the guy that, um, that Eric said was downplaying his stuff. Um, BB says, hi, hi, BB. Say hi to all my people. They're always here. They're awesome. Okay. So Chris Ware has questions too. Um, the ironic thing is that it's usually assumed by folks who are more than capable and have substantially higher intelligence. So to your point, the Maya Angelou, who, who would even think like, She's all the way up here. <laughs> all, like all the rest of the authors are down here. She's all the way up here. And she's saying that she thinks that she's fooling somebody. Yeah. Wow. It really is ironic. Yeah. Um, and so for those who are, you know, high intellectuals, high achievers, I mean, it's definitely found in CEOs, CIOs, um, Entrepreneurs, so entrepreneurs are are more than likely to experience imposter syndrome. So it's real. Just you know, those who are continuously on the grind, just really trying to um, establish themselves and have high level positions in leadership and leadership and just kind of the weight that comes with being a leader. You know, you shared an an introdu introduction that yes, um, you know. I served as a pastor of a church and even as a pastor of a church, a faith leader leading a community. And one time I got on a pulpit and I shared with my congregation, like, if only you all knew my story, you probably would not have called me to be your pastor. And that was just me actually naming that feeling, right? That imposter syndrome. I just had to name it and just say it openly, just to kind of let go of some of the anxiety that I felt of having to be perceived a certain way as this pious person. Right. Is, I have a whole lot of history, right? It doesn't reflect piety. Um, <laughs> But I'm able to openly speak about it and say that, which comes from a great sense of awareness as my, you know, from my work as a clinician and working with others who experience this type of um, these, these factors and these challenges. It's, it's very real. And particularly, I would say we see it more so and it's evolving with millennials right now. Um, and, and I would even say that 
the, the rise of technology and social media definitely plays into this feeling, this factor, um, because we're also dealing with the dilemma of what is real. Right. I can imagine. Um, okay. So, so many comments here. Eric said he, over time, um, Danielle says, I have such high standards for myself. So Danielle, I'm with you, girl. Mom always said, you got to work hard. Okay. So David says, love these insights important to help our folks through imposter syndrome as they move through levels of proficiency. That's what we're here for, David, bringing it to the forefront, giving everyone the actual technical, you know, that's why I, I love having Ciara here because we talk about it, but she's the expert in this space. Eric says, I think I get it now. Thank you, Ciara. The sense was that all of my prior accomplishments were worthless. I set up a big time pushback and reluctance to participate from me, from me, um, or it set up a big time pushback and reluctance to participate from me, even though I knew I had the goods example, meaning the best ideas. And it's so important that, you know, affirming your own ideas, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we have to encourage ourselves, right? Like whether we get it from others or not, sometimes we just have to encourage ourselves and even look at our accomplishments and how far we've come um, to get to the places where we arrive. And we may not necessarily hear it from others, but know that, and the spaces that we're in, the spaces that we take up, the, the positions that we hold, the service that we offer, what we give, um, and our great ideas actually are meaningful, they, they're impactful, they're making a difference. And whether someone you know, validates that or affirms it or not, you know that because you're where you belong, right? And you're there on purpose. Right, right. Um, so Ozzy says, I have definitely experienced both sides of, of the perfectionism spectrum. Eric says, uh, Christopher Weir's point, Chris, Christopher Weir was on point, his question um, or his comment. Ozzy says, one way to combat it is to celebrate small wins and victories, accept sincere compliments. I have a hard time with this because I always feel as if people give me compliments just to make me feel nice. Yeah. And that's 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 a very very real factor. Um, one and, and part of my practice, I work with couples. I work with individuals and couples, uh, but I identify myself as a relationship therapist. And working with individuals and couples, part of my practice is practicing appreciations, right? So a lot of times it's easy for us to give an appreciation. It's harder for us to receive an appreciation, but both are important to be able to have language and offering others appreciation, but also getting into the practice of, of feeling what it's like to receive an appreciation. And when someone offers an appreciation to, 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 to receive it, accept it, embrace it, and and feel good in it, right? Um, a lot of times people who particularly are givers and those who give in service have challenges receiving appreciations. Why is that? I'm always curious as to why that is. Like it's easy to give, but so difficult to receive. 
So it's 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 an excellent question, um, and a lot of it. <laughs> this may shift the conversation a little bit, but it's there. There is an internal, if I have to say, dynamic, right? And this is kind of where the ego starts to function and operate. So when I'm able to give you something, right, then that's there's a power, there's a control because I have something to give you. And that keeps me at that high level, that high standard. Now, when it's flipped, then that's the, the you know, if I have to say the, the humbling part, and it feels very humble. So for those who say, um, well, you know, I don't accept appreciations because I practice humility. Well, humility, and I think it's C.S. Lewis who said this, and I might misquote it, but (laughs) this is the paraphrase of a C.S. Lewis quote. And it's humility is not, um, you know, thinking, thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Right. So when someone gives you a compliment, which kind of puts you up, they're giving you something and that, you know, builds you up to receive it, receive it with thank you. And it's still a a, a practice of humility Mm -hmm. versus um, just trying to dismiss it, downplay it and calling that as humility. Very, very interesting. Learn some new ones today. Learn some new things. So uh, Danielle agrees with Ozzy when she said she had to, one way to combat is to celebrate small wins. Eric says, I moved on now, but the program I was a part of that I was instrumental in creating by all reports is now on the decline. That's what really sucks. Um, So, you know. Yeah, it's, I, I would say that it's important that you know companies encourage their executives and senior managers to share their own experience with self-doubt and failures, um, just in order to facilitate some type of open open workplace culture, right? So many people experience it. We all, at some point in our lives, struggle, wrestle with with self doubt or the fear of failure. Um, you, you know, there's some uncertainty. Um, just just some of those concerns, right? That 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 comes with the challenges associated with uh, the stepping stones to success. But if we can have a more open dialogue. Right. Um, Brene Brown, she's um, amazing researcher, storyteller. She actually her work is dedicated to shame. She's done a lot of work in, in, in around shame, research around shame. But she evolved from addressing shame to just working with vulnerabilities. And she speaks about leading with vulnerabilities. I say, instead of leading with your vulnerability, I say, speak for your vulnerability, right? So those vulnerable parts where there may be some self-doubt, there may be some fear of failure, there may be some, you know, questions of uncertainty. How, How can you give voice to those parts? How can you give voice to those factors that are very real and very significant in in all of us? And by 
sharing that in community, kind of what we're doing right now, what we're doing today, it helps people to feel that they're not alone in what they're experiencing. It actually kind of helps to to not only bridge some of uh, what feels open and empty and just isolating, but it actually normalizes the experience that, yeah, imposter syndrome is a real thing. I'm not the only one who experiences it. I have a whole community of friends who can name it and identify it for themselves. And this is where mentorship comes into play. Coaching comes into play. I have to have to express and just stress um, that when that, that the imposter syndrome is a factor, is kind of like a symptom of maybe some other mental health challenges that that may not have been addressed. And so it's it's one of those things that you want to pay attention to and just kind of maybe, you know, go a little deeper and explore, well, what is it that that's, you know, causing me to feel this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and being able to talk with someone about it directly is very, very helpful. And how you can overcome that that feeling. Okay, great. So Ron Roger says to not receive a compliment is imposter syndrome. And Lincoln says, I think the perfectionist viewpoint is interesting. If you're a perfectionist, you want to make sure you're coming with your best game, which often results in over preparation and that creates self-doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the perfectionistic part is um, it's significant to the imposter syndrome, right? Because everything has to be buttoned up, tightened up, high level, flawless, right? As we know it. And we work really hard to make sure that there's no you know, no discrepancies in, in just what we're presenting. We always want to present our best self. And that's that presentational self, if you will. Um, because as long as we're seen in this light of, of, of perfect and maintaining a, a high standard, then it doesn't lead to any sense of vulnerability. And so the vulnerability could be, oh my gosh, here's a mistake. <laughs> the vulnerability could be, there's a flaw. What if somebody looks at you and recognizes that you're not perfect? Right, that you do make mistakes. <laughs> and so then what happens in that case? And so a lot of times the issue of perfectionism, which is highly associated with imposter syndrome, actually interferes and, and blocks people from taking initiative. It blocks people from, you know, pursuing some of their dreams, going for the promotion, going for that high level position because of, and that's, that it all ties in with the fear of failure, the fear of being exposed, the fear of, oh my gosh, you know, if, if I send this out and it's not perfect, you know, so it, it kind of stunts growth and stunts mm -hmm. the ability to, to explore um, new heights. Right. So, okay, I'm going to ask everyone else's questions first because I have you... <laughs> I can have you to myself. I have so many questions. <laughs> Roger says here, uh, 
we oh right here we we need to address our post slavery racism PSTD mm-hmm. PTSD mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just to be clear it's a PTSD that's post traumatic stress disorder disorder mm-hmm. and that you know post slavery just yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense, and that's that's very real. And just having to prove ourselves, having to you know come up above, just be into the idea of being who you are and feeling free in who you are, right? Just showing up as you are. And when I was um, thinking about this talk today, the the movie, well, the movie theater show, the classic Wizard of Oz. Remember the Wizard of Oz, you know, so the wizard who is behind that curtain, (laughs) behind the curtain, right? This voice behind the curtain who didn't want to fully expose himself. He didn't want to be and show who who he really was, right? So it was that whole imposter syndrome. But um, we can't pay attention to the person behind the curtain. I would even dare say that that internal critic (laughs) that's that's really nagging. Um, at us. Right. <laughs> Eric says, I know, right, Renee Small, I need to book an appointment when I just said, I got you to myself. <laughs> we all need to book appointments. <laughs> well, Renee, appointment. I have her, I have her information. Okay, so let's go up here to some more, some more, um, Jamal says, I know sometimes I feel felt inexperienced amongst the experience, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, success at anything will always come down to this focus and effort, and we and we control both. So what's in our control? Focus and effort. Yeah, yeah. And that that makes a world of difference. Um, focused energy has the most impact. And so when we are focused, it has a great impact on everything that we engage. The other part is operating with an open heart and assuming the best, right? So when we can operate from an open heart, assuming the best, not just of others, but also ourselves, knowing that when we give, we give the best that we have to offer, not so much because we're trying to compete or prove or, you know, and that that's what impacts and shapes um, our perspective and the service and the work that we do. And no matter what environment we're in. Right. So um, they want you back. Danielle says, bring Ciara back. <laughs> I love it. I'm happy to come back to share more. Um, this is this is my life's work. This is my life's work to to encourage, to inspire, to empower, to answer questions. Um, you know, because you have. I think all of our minds are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, just some of the things that you just said. I just, I, I, I'm, I want to whip my notebook out. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say this, um, you know, despite what we tell ourselves in moments of self-doubt and frustration, um, we aren't imposters, right? Although we've had to fake it until we make it. <laughs> I, I go back to that statement because it's, that's a very real statement. Although we've had, some of us had to fake it until we make it. We're not imposters, we're explorers. And that's that's what I want to offer everyone today. When that feeling comes up, 
that we're exploring. We're exploring in that we need not to underestimate the art of practicing. Doctors, clinicians, right? We call it, this is my practice. This is my practice. This is my professional practice. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about that. I was like, they always call it a practice. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Do not underestimate the art of the practice. And well, and, and part of it is because you're giving these tools, right? You're giving these tools and every single, you know, with all the tools that you have, you're applying it. And yes, yeah, science says, you know, with, with this data and these tools and the way it works that there are expected outcomes. But we don't always know what the outcome is going to be. So it's an exploration. We're practicing. We're applying a practice with hopes <laughs> that the outcomes, the intended outcomes would actually be fulfilled. Um, but that's not always guaranteed. It's not always 100%. So um, allowing space and allowing room for exploration, I think is is key. Perfect. Ciara, I know you have to run. Um, there is, Eric wants to know, and maybe this is a question we can kick off with next time. Is there an intersection of imposter syndrome with bullying? Mm, mm. I don't know if we have time for that. So I would, I think we are, we're going to have to schedule a part follow up. Yes. because um, the bullying factor with imposter syndrome is, is significant. And I certainly would like to, um, you know, delve into that just a little, just a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can, you know, certainly talk a little more about it, but there are, there would be some intersectionality there. there there's definitely a correlation um, between the two, those who bully and even those who have been bullied. Right. So, um, so it's, it, 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 you know, it, plays on on both sides um and and so um and the other factor is just the comparison um when you're looking at other people i say comparison kills so don't do it don't look at what the other person is doing and i kind of have to lift that up just even in light of social media these days because what's posted on social media is what people want you to see right, right? What, you, what they want you to see so the chances are that you know you're getting a glimpse <laughs> of the most perfect parts of their lives not the other 95 percent that's behind the curtain <laughs> you know and, and that's that's real right, right. And we just have to um, be mindful of that just as we are engaging others People show up with their representative, right? That we call it the presentational self. But there's also that hidden part um, that we don't know about, and that's that's very real. Um, mm-hmm. In this fast-paced digital world, it's hard not to feel inadequate. Uh, things are continuously changing. We feel this constant pressure that we have to keep up, to show up, to be, you know, identified as a lead, you know, leading and maintaining the standard. Um, and it's starting to feel like, you know, this is the pressure, right, in order to maintain a norm. But unless you've you've, you know, been at the same job for years, um, 
and just have settled in that, mm-hmm. that pressure to keep, you know. <laughs> right. And, and that's nobody now. It's, nobody's in the same job, number one. And especially this technology security space where things are changing like every six months. Every time you learn something, it's something new that's coming up. Right. Um, but Ciara, I'm going to cut you off only because I know you have to leave. And the questions are coming in, the comments are coming in, but we are going to stop because you have to go. <laughs> so I am going to make sure, first of all, you know, big round of applause. <laughs> like I said, I have my own notebook. I knew the questions were going to be coming in because, you know, this is a topic that comes up every, almost every single time we have a discussion. If something like this comes up. So many of us have dealt with it, are dealing with it, you know, like who knew about the perfectionism piece, who knew about the procrastination piece. I mean, all of these different pieces to the puzzle are so important. Everyone, if you need to reach out to Ciara um, directly, her contact information is here, her email address is here. Um, I posted it in the chat. It's also going to be, um, it's in the event that I put out. It's also a link to her bio and information and the, the company, you know, her practice or practice, right, <laughs> is in there. So feel free to reach out because, Ciara, you do work. Um, you could give like a mini consultation or something first, right, if they reach out. And then we obviously definitely have to have you back. <laughs> so we'll get that on the schedule. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you again for um, just inviting me to join you and to participate in this community and this talk. Renee, this is amazing work that you're doing. And so I just say stay encouraged, continue on. This is the community, right, that's actually supporting each other, answering questions, concerns that you all have. And yes, feel free to reach out to me um, if there's something else that you would like to discuss a little further. I do have a client <laughs> that right now this um running but thank you again and look forward to connecting again soon thank you so much all right take happy thanksgiving everybody <laughs> have a great day happy thanksgiving that's right yes yes even though i'm doing a lot tomorrow but <laughs> for you happy thanksgiving all right folks i'll see you guys tomorrow thanks everybody In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.